e-waste is being created for no reason at all. So you, she ran across this article around the pregnancy tests. Well, it turns out when you actually break that thing down, that digital component has nothing to do with how the pregnancy test is read. It only has to do with displaying a pregnant or not pregnant message on a screen. You're still getting the exact same test, but because it has the appearance of more technology and maybe more accurate, it can sell it for a lot more. Doesn't do anything better, <laughs> but it does create more waste. Welcome to Rice Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. There are at least two stories that we're going to tell in this episode. One is a story about business leaders recognizing a gap in an industry and creating a sustainable solution for that gap. And it's also a story about how Hillary and Joel Patterson dove into the bigger issue they saw and recognized they had the chance to tell a bigger story that literally has ripple effects around the world. They're actually telling this story through a documentary that they've created. It will be released on September 17th, 2020 at 7 p.m. Central Time. It's called Silicon Mountain, and I will be providing links to the documentary in both the show notes and on my website, which is rise-leaders.com. Hillary and Joel Patterson are founders of The Vested Group. It's the kind of business that many people don't even know about, and I'm one of those people, so I'm just going to pass the baton right over to Hillary and Joel right now and ask you all, one of you all, to stand up or step up here and tell us about The Vested Group, what you all do, and a little bit about who you are as well, and then we'll just roll right into this passion project that you've gotten into. Sure. Thanks, Leanne. Um so I began working in what's called the ERP space in the late 90s. And what ERP is, it stands for Enterprise Resource Planning, which doesn't really mean anything to anyone. It, it's really about enterprise software and what it takes to implement a new system to run a business. So a lot of your, uh, your listeners probably use QuickBooks as an example. And as companies grow or get more complex, oftentimes QuickBooks can't keep up with what they need to do. You can't configure it or you, you, you bought a new company that's in a new service line or something like that. And so they have to replace that system to run their accounting, to run their inventory control, maybe for order entry, even their e-commerce site. And so what we do is we work with an Oracle product called NetSuite. And that's kind of the next logical step for companies as they get bigger or more complex. And so we go in and provide all the services around that. We define requirements. We help them uh, lay out what their future vision is. Uh, we provide the data and the reporting so that they can run their business more effectively. So all of that takes a lot of services around training and implementation and support. And that's what our business does. We're based in, in Plano, just a suburb of Dallas. Uh, and, and traditionally, we're a company that likes to work all in one place because we love the collaboration and, and we're all about culture being our, our primary goal and making our purpose actually at the Vested Group is the best job ever. 
And so what we're trying to do is create a, a situation where when you're sitting down with your grandkids someday and they say, hey, tell me about your best job. Where did you like working the best? We want you to think of, of your time at the Vested Group. And um, so we've, we've built a, an environment and a culture to support that. And like everyone else, COVID has kind of hit us a little bit and, and the work from home environment has, has made it more of a challenge, but, um, but we continue to make culture our, our primary goal. And, and we also believe that what we've done with the e-waste industry is, is a big player in that. Um, and uh, you want me to just kind of talk a little bit about how we got, how we dove into it? Yeah, let me stop real quick and ask, so when uh, the Vested Group was formed, when? How long have you been in business? We began in 2011. Okay, so you're still a yeah. fairly new company. And the two of you started it together. Hello, Hillary, let's get your voice yes. in there. <laughs> uh, actually, no, we did not start it together. I did not come into working for the company until it was about a year old. Okay. Uh, when it got a little bit bigger and he needed a little more help. So then I started doing our internal um, accounting and HR management. All right, great. Hillary was a very successful ER nurse for a lot of years. So, so she got stretched in learning accounting and, and being in a business environment when she was used to a little more high energy and a, yeah. and a lot different problems to solve. Oh, oh interesting. I did no. not know that about you. Wow, you are in a completely different industry, and you would be you would be having a very different life right now if you were still an ER nurse, huh? Indeed, indeed. But you know, actually, I really liked accounting. Um, it was it was great. It was good to learn. It, it is kind of a challenge. You feel a sense of accomplishment when you walk in and learn something as an adult, kind of from the ground up. So it it was great. Absolutely. And and about how big is your company right now? And is everyone located in Plano? We're about 60 people, um, and I'd say about 90% of that is, is in Plano. We also have some offshore development teams in, in India and in Uruguay of all locations. Um, but, but so total, we're probably 75 people or so. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we are largely, and really when we hire, we hire people that want to be in the office in Dallas. Great. All right. So yes. So now tell me how you got into the electronic waste recycling how did that even show up on your radar sure uh so traditionally we do a lot of work in industrial manufacturers so um, as an example we've got clients that manufacture wire and cable or valves or anything that really takes kind of a work order to build something where we have a lot of experience around that in 2013 i was pulled into a client in oklahoma city that was in the e-waste business. I didn't really know, I mean, kind of what that was, but not really. And really they, they, they referred to themselves as an ITAD company. So you'll hear that acronym used a lot and that stands for IT asset disposition. And that's really around companies that have to take in items. And then there's a government certification called R2 that requires them to certify what they did with that. And then also certify that they did not put anything into a landfill. So they have to take stuff in and, and use it for good. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Uh, went to Oklahoma City and, and did a, a tour of their warehouse and it was, it was kind of a mess. Um, they were traditionally there as a company had kind of grown up as they were, they were hustlers. They, they knew people and they knew how to buy stuff and then sell it to somebody else for a profit. And they just sort of fell into the industry. And so they had built some systems to support their business, but it was all based on QuickBooks and Microsoft Access, and it wasn't supporting their growth. As you might imagine, this industry has a lot of growth potential. I mean, everybody uses electronics every single day, and what we do with it is really what drives 
these organizations. Yeah, I'm actually having these visions of like uh, Repo Man or something, and <laughs> it's you know, not far kind off. of a kind of a Wild West, you know, where people could just kind of collect things and just wheel and wheel and deal. I I never thought of the industry that way, but that visual just came up for me when you as you were talking well, about you, it. We use this Wild West acronym or or, or, or cliche, I should say multiple times and still do. It's still kind of a wild west in that industry. They're starting to grow and get more sophisticated, which is sort of where we come into play. Um, but there's no doubt it's a very mom and pop type driven industry that is starting to consolidate and get bigger, which will bring control and process and everything else. But but your, uh, your, your image is pretty spot on, really. I mean, these guys, not only were they doing e-waste, they were doing things like scuba equipment. One of the guys was actually a, a pea farmer. I mean, so that was his day job was was farming, and and then he would he would come and help sort out electronics that had come in the dock that day during the evenings. I mean, it was it was a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. So what did you do? So we went in and we helped define what their new company was going to look like, right? So defining what those processes were, and like I said, we implemented a product called NetSuite. And NetSuite, when you go into a, an implementation, you assume that it's going to be able to do eighty to ninety percent of the functions that a, a business needs. Um, just out of the box without us doing any customization or anything like that. But with these guys, it wasn't quite that way. I mean, it still did most of what they needed, but a lot of what they needed was completely backwards to a normal process. So like a manufacturing process, like I was saying earlier, you start with an idea of what you're going to build and then you put a recipe together to build that. This is the exact opposite. Um, what they would have is a, a, a truck would back up to their dock they would open up the gate and they would have no idea what's in it. All they did was sign a, a PO for that truck. They knew there'd be equipment in there, but they didn't know what. Their job was to be able to take it off the truck, receive it into a system, and then decide how they wanted to, to, to handle it. Did they want to put it in a recycling bin? Did they want to break it apart and try to repair it? Did they just want to wipe it down, clean it up, and resell it? So there's a lot of different paths that it can go. And so what we did is we built a system um, on NetSuite allows them to, to manage that flow of material within uh, software. And, and so they can very easily pull something off. And, and you think about just an iPhone as an example. An iPhone has all different colors, storage sizes, speeds, versions. I mean, all of those are tracked and managed differently based on what you can do with them long term. And so we built a system to be able to allow them to, to really give everything that comes in the door a path and a purpose so that it ultimately gets either resold to somebody, um, and a lot of times that stuff gets wholesaled to other countries, because you think about these items, you and I might be sick of this item because it's not the latest version, but if you send it to somebody overseas, they might be able to get three, four, five more years of use out of it. Um, so they sell a lot of things like that, um, or they'll send it to their service repair department, and they'll invest some time and, and um, uh, repair it, and then ultimately sell it. Or if it's just completely not repairable, it will go to a recycling process and to, to somebody that can break it down into the, the actual chemicals or minerals that make it up and, and make sure it gets used after that. So again, nothing goes into a landfill. So you all designed the system that would allow the tracking of the decision path. And then if it goes to recycling, it's going to track everything so it can be accounted for. Exactly. Almost like if you think it, your phone has a serial number. And so everything that comes in to their warehouse, we assign a, a serial number to them effectively. And then we have to say, all right, this serial number, we repaired it here. 
we recycled this one, we, we, we just resold this one. Everything has to be certified all the way through the process. And yes, that is done through our system. Well, I think one thing I want to uh, make sure that we address too is that the whole Wild West kind of concept is that it's come a long way. Because um, I think that's one of the, of the fears that people have is, is the unknown of what happens if you, you know, recycle or drop off your electronics, what's going to happen to them. Um, but it's come a long way since then. And there's you know, certified recyclers. You don't, that we want to make sure part of the, the reason for us making this film was to kind of educate people on what the industry is today, how it works and the safety of it. Good. And I want to make sure that when we, at the end of our conversation today, that we give people a place to look for that, or you can send it to me to put in the show notes, because that's also really important. It's not just the awareness, but what actions uh, can we be taking? And I understand that through this process, that you all have actually created a niche within the ERP industry or with NetSuite, where now this is actually a product that can be used for e-recyclers or maybe any type of uh, recycler. Am I understanding that correctly, that you've actually created a, a niche there? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, at the beginning, that's what this was. This was a business need, right? And we saw, hey, we've gotten through this really complex project. Let's take this, what we've learned, and let's, let's expand upon it. Um, and, and really, it was that it was that business need that allowed us to learn more and more about the industry. Because at this, at, at, at this point, it's really just one company that we know about. But then as we started researching it more and getting into what's really going on and, and what the real need is, it became, hey, we can, we can really capitalize on this as a business and, and really go after this industry and, and, and do some good and make some money and make sure that, that we're doing you know, good business process. But it wasn't until we really started talking to other companies, getting more involved in the certifications and understanding what that really means, that we really became aware of just how big of an issue we were addressing with this one client. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something it's hard to put your finger on, just how big and how ultimately how big this issue is going to become if we don't do something about it collectively as a group. Yeah. So tell me at what point that you turned the corner from it just being a business opportunity to you wanting to uh, make the documentary and raise awareness, you know, you're educating people as well on what the options are. So part of this that I think is very interesting as well, that you all have personally funded the documentary. The company itself hasn't invested in the film. Yeah, actually, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with Conscious Capitalism, but Joel and I were actually at a Compass Ca Comp Conscious Capitalism conference. Um, say that three times, right? Um, <laughs> and we happened to see um, a pay active video that it was a short, short film and it, it was just compelling. I mean, it was an issue that you really didn't, weren't aware of. Um, and it gave you a little background on it, had, had the information in it and then the actions that you could take. And it was also, it was positive. It was like, this is a, a really good thing. And um, I think that Joel had toyed around a little bit with some kind of innovative ideas of marketing and stuff and had thought about it, a movie, but it really hadn't really gone anywhere. And we both were just like, this is it. This is 
how we can tell the story, basically, because it's an, an important industry. And I think, like you said earlier, it literally touches everybody on the planet. Um, and I think that there's a lot of misinformation or confusion about how how it works um, and, and what people can do and the value of it. And so that was that was a major motivation. This is a, a very educational, um, fun, and easy way to tell this story. So do you feel like that's what you all have created is something that's fun and motivational and, and easy? I think so. I think we've been successful at it because that, that is a big point too. Um, you don't want people to walk away with this gloomy, it's hopeless feeling because it's really not. It's, it's amazing how little people have to do to have a really big positive impact. I think we did a pretty good job of. Excellent. Well, I'm very, very excited to see the film. And I'm also curious, because I'm a person that likes statistics and impact, what are some of the statistics today that you can share about how much goes in? I don't even know if it's landfill anymore, because now we're starting to divert some of it, more and more of it, to um, e-recyclers. But what are some of the numbers that we're dealing with here in terms of electronic gadgets and things that get tossed well, I think that one of the overarching numbers is that only 20% of any of the e-waste in the world gets recycled. So that shows you the potential of growth and the the amount that can the amount can be gained by just just recycling our own devices. And I, part of that, I think, too, is recognizing what is e-waste. The things that are in your home. Most of us would realize that we have computers or phones or old tablets that are laying around, but even recognizing that a child's toy is something that can be recycled and it doesn't have to just go in the trash can. So I think that understanding that such a small percentage of what is out there that can be recycled is actually being recycled. And the, and the, what we're losing when we, when we throw those things away, approximately 400,000 smartphones are thrown away every single day in the United States. Wow. Yeah. That's mind-boggling. Yeah. I know. 400,000. Yeah, it is. And that rolls up to 152 million a year. So if you, I mean, it isn't mind-boggling to think about the number of phones that are out there that could be recycled. $344 million worth of gold in those phones, $46 million worth of silver. And if we don't recycle that, then we have to dig that out of the earth again. So we have to mine that if we don't reuse what we have. And so the, the environmental ramifications, obviously, ongoing and large, something that we can easily take a big hunk out of. Yeah. And you mentioned too, so there's the just keeping it out of the landfill, but you were also talking about what happens to some of this, like it can be, I think, Joel, you were talking about that it can be redistributed or resold to countries uh, that don't have access to this. So what kinds of electronics are ending up in the hands of people in other countries that would otherwise not have access to them? Well, you know, <clears throat> things like flip phones that we haven't used in quite a while in the States, uh, they have a whole other life in, in Africa. Um, they're more durable and they use them to this day. So, I mean, there's things that we stopped using quite a few years ago that are still being used. But laptops are, are a really easy one to talk about. Um, that first company that we worked with in 2013, that was a big part of their business is they would get in these two, three-year-old Dell laptops that their client had stopped using and they would really not have to do much to them except wipe the, the, the hard drive. One of the things that, that these, this industry really has done a nice job of 
of covering is, is making sure that data is secure. So one of the things they have to do as part of their process is wipe the hard drive and they actually do what they call a, a multi-wipe. So it might get wiped like eight times to make sure that there's nothing left on there. So with these laptops, they would just clean them up, reload the, the operating system, and they'd send a pallet of them to schools overseas. And, and those schools, for what they need a laptop for, you know, they're not, they're not working with big data or, or, or heavy graphics programs. It's basic stuff. They're learning how to use a spreadsheet and they're learning how to use a word processor. And so these, these laptops are good for years. You, you think about you, me, we've got probably laptops sitting around in a, in a desk somewhere. This closet <laughs> right closet. behind me yeah. has three sure. spent laptops that I'm holding on to because I don't know what to do with them. And I haven't wiped. I, I haven't wiped it myself. And I've been concerned about just taking because I actually don't know what is on those anymore. Sure. And it is concerning. It's absolutely. And it's fair. I mean, I've, we've all heard horror stories of, uh, of people getting calls or getting a text and they're sending them pictures of their family from their old phone that they thought had gotten wiped. Oh, yeah. But but I think as long as you're going to a certified recycler, they have a process in place and there's actually software. Uh, there's companies that make software that does nothing but that. So they've come a long ways with that. As long as you're using somebody reputable, they're going to take care of it. You know, they, their reputation is on the line as well. Um, and they're going to make sure that, that it's, it's put to good use, but also that it's secure before it's actually sent to anyone. Do you happen to know, Hillary, you were talking about, you know, working in the pandemic and all that, and so many schools right now are distributing Chromebooks and all of that. Do you know if any of the recyclers are actually putting any of those back to use in U.S. schools that, that need them? I actually don't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can answer that okay. one for you. Oh, great. Well. Yeah. Um, we have clients that do that. Uh, we've got a client in Chicago that does nothing but that, but they, they're, they're focused on Mac products and, um, and they absolutely do that. We've got another client that does exactly that, but with uh, Chromebooks. So it's not just overseas there. We're also able to use them here domestically, actually through the pandemic. Um, one of those, the, the one, one client that's in Chicago, they have, <laughs> we were going through their implementation right before everything hit and they are just, I mean, they're one of those unique industries that is really thriving through this. I mean, they can't keep up with the demand because of all the, the learning from home situations and, uh, and they can't keep, they can't get laptops out quick enough to them. So uh, they're definitely focused on that as well. Uh, that's fantastic. Is the term circular economy part of what you all are promoting here too, or is that separate uh, yeah, it is, absolutely it is. Is, so is this an example of circular economy? I guess I should is. say that. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's taking something that one person has, has stopped using. And again, we can go back to an iPhone example. A lot of times people will buy the new iPhone because they want a new iPhone, not because there's anything wrong with the last one that they had. And, and taking that instead of leaving it in a drawer, uh, actually giving it to somebody that can either sell it, refurbish it, whatever needs to be done, and putting it back into the economy. That can probably happen two or three times before it actually needs to be recycled. Okay. And so that's, that's really what we're talking about. And then once it's recycled, it's breaking it down to those bare elements so that we can also reuse what's within that. Yeah, that's the, that's the big, the, the environmental aspect of it too, is that, you know, we talk about all the phones that go out, is that if, if you can't repair it, then you can take all of the element, all of the, the minerals and everything that are in it out. So therefore, you can spare the mining that goes on the other end. 
Excellent. So I, I want to hear a little bit now about the documentary itself. So that's coming out September 17th. I think it's about half an hour long. And I've seen a few clips. How are you all describing the movie to folks? We kind of went out in the beginning. We wanted to spread the awareness, right, for this industry, how people can help, what is doable, who knows about it. So that's kind of what we, we went out and did. We interviewed um, recycling companies, um, activists, lobbyists, pretty much, you know, everybody we can find that had some stake in the in the whole ITAD and, and recycling world and tried to put it together in a kind of an organized manner of like, here's what's been going on. Here's what we can do here, all the, here are all the areas it can affect. And, and another kind of bright side to it is that the recyclers that we found are just amazing companies that also are helping their community. Uh, one of our recyclers out in California uses um, ex-convicts that, that they retrain. And, and so, I mean, so there's like a ripple effect of all the good that's happening. So not only, so it's kind of uh. the ultimate win, win, win kind of situation where, you know, we help environment, we help businesses, we help people, the products that we, you know, are sent off to other countries can help with education. Uh, there's just, there's a, such a big benefit. And so you really kind of wanted to show that, like what all the opportunities are and then, you know, how, how individuals and companies can make a difference. Uh, you're casting a really big net. I'm really excited to see that. Now, w one of the clips that I'm remembering that I saw too, I think that you have one of the people that you're speaking about that's encouraging people to repair their own phones. And there's a there's a scene where these two women are actually like cracking the back of their phones open. What is that about? Are you all actually encouraging or are there people that encourage folks to open up their phones and see if they can fix it. That, I just have to tell you that scares the bejesus out of me to think about doing that. <gasps> it does scare people. It scares a lot of people. But yeah, there's a, a company called iFixit that's that's huge in that market. And they have uh, very detailed instructions. They have kits that you can buy with very detailed instructions, videos, all the, the tools that you need. But and part of their message is overcome your fear that these, these things can be done. And so, you know, they call a lot of it around forced obsolescence that in fact it's not broken there's nothing wrong with it you can change out the battery because that's a big one for a lot of phones um but this is something you can do get a lot more life out of your phone yeah um, right but it is it is a little terrifying to kind of think about on the surface but it's it's doable totally doable yeah. right <laughs> we have two people that, that have never done it or never even thought about doing it successfully you know complete the project yeah nice also, it's also a big push around right to repair. So that's the that's another uh, big uh, topic that we want to make sure people are aware of through the film is is that every state kind of has their own legislation going through around the right to repair your phone. So you know, there's this thing you know, you buy a phone, you pay a lot of money for it, and then you're told what you can and cannot do with it when it breaks or when you're done with it, and and that doesn't seem right. Right. You should be able to, if you want to repair your phone on your own, you should be able to do that. Well, the reality is in some situations, people can't repair their phone because they don't have the right tool or they don't have the right process. And those processes or tools are actually controlled by uh, a patent or other things that, that makes it illegal to actually do that. And that just doesn't seem right. You know, I mean, it, you, you, you paid for it. It's yours. Yeah. Um, and so there, it's, it's a big movement to, to really get that changed legislatively. Um, but there, you know, there's, it's, as you might imagine, it's a big fight from the, the manufacturers to, 
to, to keep that from happening because that's also a revenue source for them. So um, again, there's we'll, we'll, be, we'll be sure to send you a link where people can go and they can write their legislature, they can, um, they can get active around just wanting the ability to, to, to do with their own device what they want. It's unfortunately, uh, it's a big battle. It's not not necessarily going to end anytime soon. Wow, so many processes that we probably don't know about. When I hear you speak, I just think this is like un-American. You know, that's, <laughs> that, that just kind of goes against what I think we stand for. And it's yeah. it's amazing how much is uh, kind of below the surface that we don't know about. That's actually legislation. Yeah, you know, here's, here's a really interesting one too that it didn't make the the, the short film, but it's around tractors, like farm equipment. And, and you would be surprised, Kyle Weens, who owns iFixit, uh, he talks about how he spends a lot of his time working with farmers because a John Deere tractor, a piece of software may have been uh, decommissioned for some reason because they wanna sell the new one. And so he's actually working with them to find ways to keep their old tractors running in, in spite of what the manufacturers are trying to do. You would not put farming in your e-waste bucket, no. typically. But it's absolutely there and it's a big component of it. Well, and I think it'll only get, just get more and more true, the more com computerization that's just part of everyday life. Yeah, that's kind of the, the, the internet of things that you hear about. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. that, that's true for appliances too. You know, it used to be that your, your refrigerator lasted 20 years, but now it's more like five. And that's only because the software, the just, that is what's going to change and it physically will still function. So, so part of like, how do we not create more waste is to be able to reuse and, you know, repair the things that we have. Yeah. And Hillary, Hillary ran across this great article just a couple of days ago, we were talking about, um, cause this e-waste is being created for no reason at all. So she ran across this article around the pregnancy tests and how you can go in, you can look at the shelf and you can say, all right, here's a pregnancy test. that looks like what I'm used to seeing. It's got a line one way or another, I think is the ultimate result. Right. Well, there's a digital one right next to it that costs like three times more. Well, it turns out when you actually break that thing down, that digital component has nothing to do with how the pregnancy test is read. It only has to do with displaying a pregnant or not pregnant message on a screen. So you're still getting the exact same test, but because it has the appearance of, of more technology and maybe more accurate, um, it can sell it for a lot more. It doesn't do anything better, but it does create more waste. Yeah. You know, and so things like that are, I mean, there's no value there. Well, I, I think this could kind of bring us into like actions that we can all be taking. And I wonder if, of course, I'm not looking at pregnancy tests anymore, <laughs> but, I, <Nor> are we. <laughs> but I, I wonder if I were, if it's that evident. And Hillary, I was sharing with you uh, earlier, we actually still have a picture tube TV. We've had it for 20 years. It still works and we'll keep it until it poops out. Too heavy to move. <laughs> exactly. Well, now it's right, right. Built in. Like, yeah. Well, and we have to get all new furniture to encase it and all that. But it's fascinating how quickly, you know, now if your flat screen TV lasts five years, it's good. That's a long time. But as a consumer, we all have a role in, you know, not buying things that we don't need. And Joel, what you just mentioned is a is a great example. You actually don't need a digital version of the pregnancy test. It just creates more waste. I'm wondering if you all know about some guidelines or or have just a, a list of things that you've started doing to reduce your impact, Absolutely. personal impact and and your business impact. 
Absolutely. That the the takeaway from this really is how simple it is. First of all, it's awareness, like the pregnancy test or things that you don't think about that often, like your children's toys, uh, a flashlight that you have. Those kind of things are all re- all electronics that can be recycled. So having the awareness, first of all, that that not to just throw it in the trash if it's broken, is is huge. Uh, recognizing those things around your house, and then also finding your your closest certified recycler. Once you know where that place is, it's much easier to take the, take your items there. You know, you have a box or whatever that you put things in and then be able to go drop it off. If it's a kind of a, a mystery or you just think, you know, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, it, it becomes a, a bigger hassle, right? But if you can just take the simple steps of looking it up and recognizing what around your house you shouldn't throw out, taking it to the recycler, that's all it takes really for an individual so you can just do a, a search on the yes. internet for e, um, certified e-recyclers uh, e- near me, and I should be able to find something. Yes, it is absolutely okay. that easy. And, and All right. yep, you can put in your zip code and find the ones that are around you. And there's they're everywhere. They're all over the country. And you can go drop your stuff off and you can know then that, you know, with confidence that your information isn't going to get out, that nothing is going to be, you know, left to pollute, um, that if... Parts of it can be reused to make something else. That'll happen. Um, walk away with the, with the good feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how about as a business? I'm wondering what you all are doing differently at the Vested Group. Now that you have all of this information, are you doing things any differently as a business? We only replace our laptops and things when they need to be replaced. Um, but because we work with these recyclers all the time, we have it's really easy for us to drop them off and know that they're going to be taken care of properly. One thing that to also let your listeners kind of feel at ease with this is in this industry, they have almost unlimited demand for their products when they recycle and repair these items that come in. Their struggle as, as a company is getting the stuff. So not only when, when you find somebody that you want to give it to or, or that you, you go to a certified recycler, they really desire and want that. I mean, it's, it's not a hassle for them. You know, sometimes when you're dropping stuff off like that, you think like if you're dropping off furniture or something, what are they going to do with that? These people really, really want and need this material for their business because that's where the, that's where the, the, uh, the bottleneck is. It's really getting enough material to be able to push through their, their process. So, so don't be shy about that. And as a business, that's what we do. You know, we, we, we make sure that we give, and actually we've been able to coordinate with other clients of ours that have excess material and IT uh, inventory that they want to get rid of and refer them to our other clients to allow them to process those. I have never thought about it this way before in the way that you all are talking about it. One part of it is just like doing my part, you know, not contributing to more landfill waste. The other is actually providing materials for other people, like knowing that there's actually a demand for this stuff. It's not just me doing something good, but somebody wants this, like somebody wishes they could have it. And for some reason that motivates me even in a different way, like knowing that someone is just waiting for me to please come drop off my stuff. And I was also unsure in the past, would it cost me something? You know, did I ever have to pay some kind of by the pound fee to have something recycled? And it's not. I understand from my earlier conversation from Hillary is that they want this stuff. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost me anything, just the time to get it there. Yep. 
That's all it is. That's all it is. And you can do good. And you know, the one thing that I've taken away from, from this, this effort with the film in particular is as we've allowed people to watch it, to get feedback and everything, there's not a single person that hasn't watched it and come away with, wow, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, and that awareness is really, that's, that's what we're looking for. And it's nice when people see it. it it's such a simple takeaway, but so impactful. Um, it just, it really makes it a simple message that, uh, that everyone can respond to. Well, thank you so much. Again, I think it's such a great story that started as a business opportunity and really is ending up. Who knows where it'll go from here? But, you know, you all started with the business opportunity and it's come all the way around and spreading awareness in such a way that it's impacting me individually, you know, anybody who listens to this. And so I think that that's, for me, that's like the the quintessential conscious capitalism or stakeholder capitalism where you've really created a win-win-win and uh, really big ripple effect. Thank you very much. Best of luck on the on the documentary launch. I know that it's probably different than what you were envisioning a year ago and we'll all be online together. I'm just really, really happy for you all. Thank you, Leanne. Thank Appreciate you. that. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening and remember, elevate your part of the world.